Happy New Year too. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's the first Harland Highway podcast of 2019. God bless us, everyone. Hell yeah. I, I, you shouldn't be able to say God and hell in the same sentence, right? Uh, hey, everybody. Harlan Williams here. What a show we have for you. Uh, the new year. Um, I'm going to give you a follow-up on how I busted my dad over the uh, re-gifting that he did me. A 16-year-old re-gifting that my, my dad tried to pull over on me. Didn't work. I called him out. So I'll be talking about that. Also, uh, a, a crazy show, uh, some live stand-up comedy where I stumbled on someone in the crowd who was impaired, uh, physically impaired, uh, had a handicap, and all of a sudden that took over the whole show and it got pretty tense, pretty uncomfortable. So check that out. Also, we get a call from uh, our friend Rabbi Pappenheim. Uh, he's calling in to uh, wish us a happy new year and, and kick the year off and say hello. Uh, so we love talking to Rabbi Pappenheim, a rabbi in the community here. And also I'll be discussing my new stand-up comedy tour uh, coming up uh, for 2019. So lots to get into. It's going to be a great year. Let's kick it off. Put your helmet on. This is the Harland Highway. How do you know my name? It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life. Hold on to your airbag. The heartless, heartless monsters. All of you through and through. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah! see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. You clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, a rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harland Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. My George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. What's up, Doc? Mister, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose right now. Don't leave me here! Oh, yeah, 2019 player. We got a new year player. Oh, yeah, we got a brand new year. We got us a brand new 1929. No, wait, 18. No. Not 2019. Oh, I get all mixed up with them numbers. Oh, Lord, 2019, player. Wow, can you believe it? Remember when you were a kid and you'd be like, God, I wonder what life will be like in the future. Like, I don't know, like 2019 or 2020. What will things be like? And then before you know it, it's here. And now you younger kids listening are probably going to be like, what's life going to be like in 2035? And it's really not all that far away, man. You know? It's kind of scary how not far away it is. And uh, the years tick on by, baby. And so here we are in a new one. Happy New Year, first of all. Happy New Year to y'all. I hope you have a great year. I hope you you had a great year last year, but I hope this year is even more uh, fulfilling and fruitful and productive and, and spiritual and meaningful and all those things. 
And the only way to make it so is if you make it so. You've gotta you can't just sit there and wait for it to happen. You gotta, you know. You gotta you gotta, you know, pull the triggers, push the buttons, step into action, make stuff happen for yourself and for those around you and for those in the world. Don't make it all about you, make it about giving back in other ways to other people and other places. You know, you got to look out for yourself, but at the same time, maybe you, you, you do a little something here and, and there this year that, that benefits other people and not you so much. Sure. Why not? It's like that old saying, you only get what you give, baby. So uh, just food for thought. Um, one of the things I did right out of the gate this year, you know, a lot of times when we start a new year, we feel like it's a fresh beginning and you... You want to like clean house and you want to start over. You want to start going to the gym. You want to start eating properly. What I did is I went into my office and I looked around. I went, man, this place is cluttered. And I thought, I want to get rid of a bunch of stuff and I want to make room for stuff. And I, I want to make room for nothing really. I don't want more stuff. I just, I just want room, right? And so one of the things I looked around my office and I thought, what, what don't I use? What don't I honestly don't I ever use anymore? And suddenly I felt like I was a book-burning Nazi in World War II Germany. Let me explain. Uh, one of the first things I noticed in my office that I, I never use anymore are the books. Over the years I had saved countless number of books. You know, books that I read, you know, I'm an artist, so a lot of the books were for visual reference. There was a lot of books uh, of photographs of animals and wildlife and things that I would reference if I was drawing. And a lot of these books dated back to before the Internet. And there were books about some of my favorite celebrities, Marlon Brando and Clint Eastwood and... There were books about how to write a Broadway play, and there were books about uh, horror movies, and there were comic books, and there were there's just all kinds of books. And uh, I realized, I was like, uh, you know, when was the last time I opened any of these? When was the last time I looked into these books? And I realized it was like, holy crap, it's been like 10, 15 20 years, it was kind of sad, right? And so I thought, why am I kidding myself? Okay, they're taking up a lot of room. I'm not, I'm not accessing them. I'm not opening them. I'm not using them. They're taking up a lot of room. They're all, they're all different shapes and sizes. They're kind of clunky, let's be honest. Books are kind of clunky and misshapen, and, and they take up a lot of space. And unless you physically go and pull one out, it's almost like filling your pantry full of food and never eating it. It's like, it's like putting dozens of soup cans in your pantry, and you never pull them out and eat them. They just sit there, and then they expire, and they're no good. And so now we live in a world where I can go on the Internet, and anything that was in one of these books pretty much... I saved a few books. I saved maybe 20. But anything that was in these books, pretty much, I can track down on the Internet. So if I need any visual reference or I need any uh, 
print reference or anything like that. It's all in the internet. And in a way, physically, it's almost easier. You know, books are clunky. You got to hold them open. You got to put a bookmark in them. You got to balance them on your lap. You got to... You got to squish them down so they don't close by themselves if it's a thick book, you know. And so there's a lot of this, a lot of that. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm getting rid of the books. And so what I started doing is I started pulling all the books. And I'm talking like, you know, 100 or more books, lots of books. Um, and by the way, I had done I'd done this earlier uh, a number of years ago with the books I, I really, really, really knew I didn't want. But the books I had left in my office were the ones that were like, oh, these these are the books. These, these are the ones that I'll reference. These, these, these are the keepers, right? And I realized after all this time, they're not the keepers. And so I pulled them all off the shelf and I started going through them one by one. And I, and I started putting them in a pile in the middle of the floor, all the books I didn't want. And, and it just kept stacking up. And it turns out most of the books I didn't want. And so now I'm starting to feel like you remember in World War II when Hitler instructed his his Nazi army to start collecting all the books and burning them because he, he deemed them to be bad. He, he deemed, them, deemed them to be counterproductive to his cause. He didn't want the masses being influenced by other voices. He wanted complete and utter control. And now here I am, Harlan Nazi Williams, piling, collecting all the books, and I couldn't help but put, have it go through my mind. It, it reminded me of, of, of the book burnings. I suddenly I felt uh, guilty. I felt bad. I felt like this isn't right. I'm collecting all the books to terminate them. Oh, no. It was really weird. I got to be honest. But at the same time, I was like, these books have surpassed their usefulness to me. And, you know, you get the argument, oh, there's nothing better than a book in your hands. There's, not, there's nothing. I even told someone about it, and they goes, oh, there's nothing like the smell of a book. Just the smell of a book and the feel of it in your hands. And Yeah, right. If there was no such thing as books ever invented, you wouldn't miss them. I mean, yes, it's fun to read a book and hold a book, but it, let's not pretend it's that great, you know. And so, and so I started getting rid of the books, and they started piling up. And, uh, and I started feeling like, you know, I was doing something bad. I was doing something wrong. But it, it reminded me also of when I got rid of my DVDs last year. I got rid of all my DVDs. I got rid of all my uh, VHS tapes. And I stacked them all up in boxes, and I, I took them away. I sold them. I burned them. I didn't, no, I didn't burn them. Wait. Yeah, what he said. I didn't burn them. What I did is I put them in boxes. And so what I did with my books is I thought, I don't want to burn them. I don't want to be Hitler. You know, I thought maybe someone else can use them. So what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll put them in a bunch of big boxes, and I wrote on the boxes I wrote uh, free books. I use the internet now. That's what I got a sharpie, and that's what I wrote. Free books. I use the internet now. Okay. 
And I took the books, and I took them down to the curb, and I put them down there at the end of the driveway, and and sure enough, didn't take long. I saw that people had ruffled through them. One day I was in my office. I, I looked out. I could see a young couple perusing through my books. So they're out there for about two or three days, and people had ruffled through them. And then on day three or four, one or the other, they were just gone. Both boxes gone. Someone must have sped by in their car and went, holy shit, two boxes full of free books, and just jumped out and threw them in the back of their car. And there's some good books in there. I mean, you know, and if, if, if you're like internet savvy, and if you like to sell stuff on eBay or you like to sell stuff on the internet, well, somebody probably made out pretty good, but I just wanted somebody to uh, enjoy the books. You know, if, if I'm not into books anymore, maybe they are. So uh, just for clarity, even though it felt a little weird, it felt a little sacrilegious to throw out books, uh, I am not a Nazi. I am not Hitler. Uh, this was done completely just to clean house. And believe me, I feel better about it. And just so you know, I did save probably, I don't know, probably a good 80 to 100 books still. And who knows, I might thin that herd out soon. Who knows? But uh, that's the world we live in. That's the future. The Internet is here. And everything uh, pretty much I could have found in those books, I can probably find on the Internet. So there you go. Uh, just a good old office-dwelling dude. Not a Hitler guy, uh, just uh, giving away books generously, not burning them, just for clarity. Happy 2019. Happy reading. Hey, Harlan. Hey, hope you're well, buddy. Hey, uh, this is Corey here in Orlando, Florida. I have some coworkers and friends, uh, would love to come see you, man. We saw you a couple of years, uh, here in Orlando. Would love to see you back. Uh, just wondering if you're coming here anytime soon. Uh, hope you're well and, uh, hope to see you soon here in Orlando. Thanks, buddy. Corey in Orlando. Yes, uh, thank you for the call, Corey. And uh, just uh, for the record, 2019 is here, and I will be touring around the country with my stand-up comedy. If you're uh, into what I do, if you like my show, uh, uh, check the internet. Go to harlandwilliams.com. I have already posted uh, several of my new bookings uh, around the country, so you can go on there and see if I will be in your city or town. So far, it's early, okay? It's early, but uh, you don't know. And, uh, Corey, as of now, as of this moment, I do not have a booking in Orlando uh, at the moment, uh, hopefully later in the year. But at this point in time, I do not have anything in Orlando, but we will keep you posted and uh, let you know uh, if and when that happens, all right? Uh, thanks for checking in, and I'm uh, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you uh, dig dig my show, man. And hopefully before long we'll see you face to face. So yeah, like I said, it's a new year. Check out all the uh, stand up comedy uh, listings at harlandwilliams.com, and hopefully I'm in an area that you can come and enjoy 
My comedy stylings. Mm. And speaking of comedy stylings, holy guacamole dip. Check this out, man. Okay, so you know how I record my shows. And uh, and so uh, last night or two nights ago, one or the other, maybe it was last night. I can't remember. I do so many. Um, what happened is I was doing a show at the world-famous comedy store on Sunset Boulevard. And I'm up there doing my thing. And all of a sudden, there's a guy in the front row sitting with his girlfriend off to the side, but he's front row. And I look over, and he's not looking at me. He's looking over, like, kind of into the crowd a little bit. So I said to him, I said, sir, uh, could you look up here? The show's here. Kind of half joking, right? I don't care if he's looking at me or not, but... You know, I, I just to just to you know interact with the crowd. I go, sir, do you mind looking up here? And 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 he wasn't looking. It was like he couldn't hear me, right? And I so then I was, I dug in. I was like, uh, sir, uh, hello, the show's up here. Do you mind? And I went after the guy, and he just wouldn't look at me. And I was like, what the hell is this guy drunk? And then his girlfriend who was with them said that he's visually impaired. I guess the guy was blind. And I'm like, oh my god! And you, you you'll, I'm gonna play it for you. The room just went quiet. It got really tense, and I was up there hanging. I was like, like a, like a sheet off of Rosie O'Donnell's bed, flapping in the wind, all wet and nasty. You know, I was just hung out to dry, man. And it was awkward. Like you, could, you could feel it in the room. I was like, uh oh. And and for a minute, I was like, yikes. But then all of a sudden I dug in and I remembered something that happened to me earlier in my career. And I think I've talked about this before on the podcast and I won't tell you what it is, but you'll hear it when you listen. I'm going to play you the show. It's about a 15 minute clip and you'll hear how my, my uh, stepping on the landmine of kind of not knowing a guy was blind to uh, hopefully bringing it all back and saving the show. Uh, it got pretty tense, but then it got pretty funny. And uh, even though it was tense, it was uh, it was really fun. And uh, I'll let you be the judge. Here it is, me on stage, walking into the darkness. Are you ready for more show, Comedy Star? <laughs> hey, uh, this next guy's a pleasure to bring to stage. He's fucking incredible. One of my favorite people to watch here, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harlan Williams. Harlan Williams. <laughs> Stuff. How are you? Good to see you. What a delight. New year. I uh, love the uh, the winter. Win- are you a winter fan, gang? Yeah. Like the, where are you from, guy? You kind of got. I'm Tennessee. Tennessee? Sure. Snow country, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Duke, you can look away. I don't like your eyes. <laughs> Why don't we talk about religion? That's something fun. That's a button. That's a hot button. Right? Are you religious? Sir, if you could look this way. Sir, if you want to show, you could... Sir, if you could look this way. Sir, why are you looking everywhere but here? Oh, is he blind? 
Oh, I didn't know that. Are you blind, sir? Vision impaired. And you have an accent. Where are you from, guy? Australia. Australia. Fuck. You're in the USA. How do you like it, guy? It's alright until then. good. Because what happens is, you know, I didn't know you were vision impaired. Because, you know, your eyes are going, looking over there, but the show's here. So I didn't know, right? But one thing I learned a long time ago, I did a show when I was like, I don't know, 25, right, bro? And I was looking, I was talking to a guy in the crowd. And I started talking to him just like that, and I noticed he wasn't looking, and I noticed he had a dog with him. And I go, what's with the fucking dog, bro? And he goes, I'm blind. And I said, holy shit, I didn't know. And so I immediately just veered away from the guy. You know, I fucked up. I stopped talking to him. And I realized that someone off in my brain was like, you know, people with an impairment or a handicap, they always said, we just want to be treated like everyone else, right? So what I did is I went back to the fucking guy. (laughs) And I started talking to him. And at the end of the show, he came up to me and he said, thank you. Thank you for not treating me like a fucking pariah. Thank me for just treating me normal, right? So that's what I'm doing with you. I don't care if you're blind, bro. I don't care if it's from, that you're from Australia that I don't like. But don't be nervous, don't panic, it's good. You, I, I, what's great about this, buddy, is my show's very, it's all about audible, right? I'm not a physical comic, I'm a wordsmith, and you're gonna love this. Out of all the comics up here, bro, you're gonna remember my act, because I do noises. The other comics didn't do noises, did they? All right, this is a baby koala getting crushed under an airplane wing. <laughs> Right, bro? You can laugh a little harder. That was for you. See, it got really quiet, but I went back to the guy. See, I didn't abandon him because he's visually impaired. I went right the fuck back to him, and I'm going to do the rest of my act about him. But don't you love it that I didn't leave you hanging, that I wasn't scared of it, and I walked away like a fucking seeing eye coward <laughs> everyone's equal to me in here how about you ma'am your eyes all right they're okay you're wearing glasses they're not great you ever put them on him just for a gag now let me ask you this because i shared a little story right i shared a little story then I bumped into a guy with a seeing eye dog, right? And I love seeing eye dogs, so if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you, do you have a seeing eye dog? I don't. You don't? Have you thought about getting one? Uh, I can't afford it. Huh? Uh, I can't afford paying for it. You can't afford it? Uh, that's, I'm alright. You're alright? Yeah, alright. What if... Paid for it. No. What if that guy paid for it? What about a, a dingo? A seeing eye fucking dingo. Imagine how fucking cool that is. You're the only person with a seeing eye dog that eats babies. What's your name, bud? I like you. Peter. Peter what? Here we go, gang. You, out. Just so you know, some ignorant big bald guy walked out on you. Blind hater! <laughs> Racist blind! 
seeing impaired hater. Skinhead, no hair. Do you work, Peter? Do you work? I work. Yeah, what do you do? We're all interested. It's interesting, isn't it? Someone's visually impaired. You go, what kind of work do they do? We're all interested, legitimately. What kind of work, Peter? A community support worker. Community support worker. Isn't that fun? All right, children, it's safe to cross the street now. <laughs> Go ahead, kiddies, it's all right. See that? Give him a hand, Peter, from us. I love you. I don't run away. Treat everyone the same, right, bro? There's a guy in the back. Have you got impairment, sir? You want to jump in? Yeah, you put your hand up. You just you like it. I mean, someone could hit you in the face with a board if you want to, you know, be impaired. Too soon. Let's talk about religion. Yeah, you religious? No. Not at all. Don't believe in God. No. Don't believe in a higher force. No, what do you believe in, man? Fucking Arby's? <laughs> what do you believe in? Um. Woo! Woo! Owls? Yeah, you know, Peter, at a time like this, it's good to be visually impaired because, son, you do not want to look at a human being with an empty soul. <laughs> it's not pretty, Peter. You're not wrong. Sir, if you could close your legs, it smells. Now look who's back. The, the, the blind hating skinhead just came back, Peter. Can you sense vibrations? Did you feel them coming? You're a big dude. How much do you weigh, bro? Sephiosh? <laughs> Come on. 240. 240. Fucking juggernaut, eh? <laughs> Peter, that's a big boy, huh, Pete? What do you weigh, Pete? 75 kilos or something like that? 75 kilos. See how he we went metric system? <laughs> Just to show the rest of us how fucking stupid we are. <laughs> that's what Peter has over us. I can't, I can't handle the metric system, and I go to Ken, it's like, yeah, I'll have, uh, go into a milk store and buy seven kilometers of milk. <laughs> I love Peter. I want a plush toy of Peter. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. There you go. I ended the show. There was a little bit more, but it, it kind of just deviated off into some stuff that didn't match with the rest of it. There's, there's only like two minutes left, and basically I was uh, talking to the sound guy about bringing up the next comic, so I, I didn't want to... Uh, there wasn't really anything funny in there, but my, my little episode with Peter ended, and... Uh, I don't know if you could sense how awkward and tense it was from the audio, but man, I could feel it. I could feel it in the crowd. I could feel it in my own uh, insides, and I could see it on Peter. Poor Peter. I think he was really on the spot, and I could see his brow was starting to sweat. You know, he was sweating 
But I also, uh, even though I saw him sweating and could see he was a bit uncomfortable, I was also like, I don't want to let him off the hook. It's like, I'm not letting myself off the hook. You know, I want him to know that he's uh, just as valid a guy to uh, do table talk with than someone who isn't impaired. And so even though I, I, I could see it was, uh, it was like uh, probably uh, making his pulse race and we were having some fun, you know, I let him know that I wasn't there to mock him or be cruel to him. I was really there to play with him and make him feel uh, like he belonged. And uh, I think I could tell you, you know, I can't show you his face, but I could tell you that he was smiling and laughing. And by the end of it, I could kind of sense that he really enjoyed it. So at least I hope he did. And um, he was there with his girlfriend or there was a woman with him. I don't know if it was his girlfriend, but she had glasses on. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, and she was the one that I made the, the comment to. I said, do you ever put your glasses on Peter just for a gag? Um, but, uh, they were good sports. It was a lot of fun. It, it, it totally took me out of my game plan. I was, I was, uh, you know, kind of going down another track. I was going to go on this whole tear about religion and, and, uh, I just got too sidetracked by Peter and I didn't want to leave him dangling. So there it was. That's the, uh, that's the dangerous side of comedy. You never know what's going to get thrown in your face. Yeah. You, you never know how you're going to deal with it. And in this case, uh, we dealt with it through humor. And at one point, you heard me talking about the skinhead guy. It was uh, right in the middle of my act. This great big giant guy, this bald guy, this white guy got up and walked out to go to the bathroom. So that was what that was. I was kind of describing to Peter who it was, and I pretended that he was anti-blind. So there you go. Uh, Just another what? Oh. Whoa, okay. Roger says we got someone on the phone. Who is it? What, Rabbi Pappenheim? Okay. Yeah, let's. it's the new year. I'd love to talk to Rabbi. Rabbi Pappenheim is a, uh, a, a rabbi in the community here where I live. We're great friends. We go up for uh, lunch often and we talk. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's put him through. Ra- rabbi Pappenheim, 2019. This is great. Our first show. Uh, hello? Yeah, yes, Rabbi. Hello, Ireland. Uh, hello? Yeah, yes, I'm here, Rabbi Pappenheim. How are you? Well, uh, you know, I was calling uh, to wish you a happy uh, New Year and, uh, you know, sweet tidings and all uh, that rigmarole. Yes, Happy New Year to you. Uh, I'm excited. It's a new beginning. Well, before you uh, step on the gas there... Uh, and I don't like to use the word gash, but, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a bone to pick. Um, well, well, gee, that's not a good way to start the year. Usually you uh, you take me out to the food court for... Uh, for some vetzels, pretzels, I know. But then, by the way, this this time over at the food court, they opened a... Uh, you want to show you Captain D's uh, seafood, and uh, I was going to take you over for some Boston steamers. So, some what, uh, Rabbi? Boston Stevens over at the Captain D's uh, Fish House. Uh, okay, I don't know what a Boston steamer is, but... Trust me, it's delicious, it's the wonderful, it's kosher. Everybody loves a good old-fashioned Boston, uh, you want to call it the uh, steamer. So, so, so no more uh, Vetzel's pretzels? Well, 
you know, it's a new year. I thought I'd try something new. Uh, instead of uh, the Vetzel, uh, how you want to say, uh, what you want to call it, uh, the pretzel? Um, okay, so so Captain D's for a Boston steamer. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure I want to do this anymore, Holland. Oh, what, what changed your mind, Rabbi? Well, I, I think I was hearing uh, some of your, your earlier segment there about the books. Oh, yes, yes, Hitler and the books. Yes, and it, it sounds like, what, what, do you, what do you mean, you're writing a book about Hitler? No, I'm not writing a book about Hitler. I, w- I was, I was, ge- I was getting rid of books, and I compared it to Hitler when he burned the books. Well, uh, what I heard is that you sounded like you were writing a book about uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. No, no, I wasn't writing a book. I was getting rid of books. I mean. Uh, who wants to write about uh, Adolf Hitler? I mean, who, why would you do that? Uh, who is this guy here? No, Rabbi, wait a minute. No, I am not writing. What I said is sometimes when I have a lot of books and I get rid of them, I feel guilty. It reminded me of when, when Hitler used to round up the books and he would burn them and I was rounding up the books and I was uh, throwing them away, g- getting rid of them. Well, you know, there's something else Hitler gathered up and got rid of uh, Holland. Wait, wait, what? Well, you know, I don't know if any of those uh, so-called books that you got rid of, uh, you know, if you had taken the time to read them, maybe you would have seen that uh, your friend Adolf Hitler rounded something else up and burned it. Wait, wait, no, wait a minute. Don't say my friend, uh, Rabbi. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, I, I think, you know, maybe uh, it wasn't only the books uh, your old friend rounded up Holland. He, he's not my friend, and I, I know, now I know what you're saying. I know he... Horrific, humanitarian, god-awful, unforgivable, evil, horrible crimes he committed against the, the Jewish people, and by, by God, no, I am not comparing or equating or... Well, you know, I, I hear you by burning the books, I hear you gathering things up to, you know, put it, throw away in the garbage like they don't mean anything, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I go, why, why should I take this kid to the uh, food court? Rabbi, no, I'm not going to let you do this. Every time you call, you somehow kind of find a way to connect me or something I say to Adolf Hitler. Now, I can't let you do that, Rabbi. Well, I'm not doing anything, Garland. I mean, you know, I listen to your podcast. I'm eating my lunch. I'm having a bowl of matzo ball soup. And all of a sudden, I hear you writing a book uh, about Hitler. And all of a sudden, I feel my uh, throat tighten up, and I get some mozza clogged in my throat, and now I'm choking, and I'm spitting all over the deli condescent, Holland. And I'm sitting here, and I'm listening in the, to the podcast, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? What is this guy? Who is this guy that writes a book about uh, Hitler? Uh, sir, Rabbi, 
For the record, I have never or never would want to write a book about Adolf Hitler. The guy is a low-life scumbag. I said I was gathering the books up in a big collection so that I could get rid of them. Oh, here we go again. Here we collecting things up, getting rid of them. So easy for you. I mean, who is this guy here? Who, who is this guy? Why would you say that to me? A working, uh, functioning rabbi in the community and you're telling me you're rounding people up? And I did not say, rabbi, I did not say I'm rounding up people. I said I was rounding up my old books to get rid of them, and you clearly must have heard, I said, getting rid of a pile of books. It was reminiscent of back from, from my history lessons when Adolf Hitler would collect books and burn them so that... Yeah, you don't have to tell me, Holland. Why don't you tell my great-great-great-grandmother? She'll never read a book. You know why? Because... Uh, your little friend with the, uh, you know, the caterpillar mustache, he rounded her up and got rid of her too. Now, what do you say about that? I say that you're reaching here, sir, and this is not fair to me, and I think it's an offense to anybody listening, any of my Jewish listeners. You got, you got to stop, you know, throwing around the H word so lightly. Oh, listen to you, the, the book burner telling the Jewish rabbi how he should feel about, uh, the, you know, the Third Reich and the Nazis. And I, here I was thinking I would take you uh, not to Vetzel, uh, what you want to say, uh, how you want to call it, uh, pretzels. Uh. Rabbi? But here I was thinking, you know, I'll take my friend, it's a new year, I'll take him to the food court and try something fresh. Uh, I'll get him the Captain D's and we'll try some delicious Boston steamers. Uh, but holy smokes, why don't you just deep fry me while you're at it? Rabbi, I am not going to let you get away with this. Now stop it. Why don't you go and light your fireplace and eat your face, you dirty pig? Come on, man. Why does he do the every... T he's, he's... I can't win that argument. No matter what I say, no matter how sensitive or careful, he seems to find a... Oh, God. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Great way to start the new year with the first show. I get accused of, of who knows what he was implying. You know, Roger, sometimes I wonder, and I say this with all due respect, if the rabbi is having some mental health issues because his sensitivity, which I understand for all people of the Jewish faith, towards Hitler, but his is so heightened that if you anything even remotely whiffs of, of Hitler or something, he, he immediately, you've heard him. Ay, 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 it makes it tough to, to, to talk to him sometimes. Anyways, let's move on. Speaking of talking, so I want to wrap up. I mentioned to you guys that, uh, you know, my dad sent me these ridiculous dolls for Christmas, the Laurel and Hardy dolls, Right. It's like, a, it's like a Nancy Drew mystery, the, the mystery of the porcelain dolls, right? And so I was pretty sure that, the, you know, it was so long ago that I bought him these dolls. 
I'm pretty sure that I bought them for him like 15, 16, 17 years ago, maybe. And they were at, at his house up in Canada. And if you want to hear the rest of the story, go back and listen to the podcast like a couple back where my dad FedExed me a Christmas present and I opened it and it was these Laurel and Hardy porcelain dolls. And at first I was excited and then I went, wait a minute. These are the, the aren't these the dolls that I got him? Years ago, so I didn't open the wrapping paper. I just opened the FedEx box, so I put them under my tree. I had my suspicions. I called my sisters. I said, I think this is what Dad did. I think he re-gifted me my own gift from years ago. And so I, I, my sisters verified that, yes, indeed, there were. we did have Laurel and Hardy porcelain dolls at the, the, the house where my parents live. And so I promised my sisters I was going to bust my dad. I was going to out him. And I promised you guys I would do it. And I said I would record the phone call. And what sucks is I was going to phone my dad and set up all the equipment to record him. But guess what? He phoned me before I had a chance to phone him. So he caught me off guard. I didn't have all my gear set up. And I, I, I'm kicking myself because it was the most hilarious, ridiculous phone call I wish I, I wish I could play it for you guys and you'd hear it. So all I can do is tell you what happened. But uh, sure enough, I opened these damn dolls on Christmas morning. I was like, okay, I'll finally take the wrapping paper off them. And, you know, sure enough, it's these Laurel and Hardy porcelain dolls. They've got little legs and shoes and a porcelain head, porcelain hands, porcelain hat. And they're wearing like felt clothing. And Laurel and Hardy, most for the most part, are, always wore black suits, right? So first thing I notice is on the porcelain hats, there's like a, like seven inches of dust. Okay, there's more dust than than you'd find in the in the back hallway of an old uh, Broadway theater. All right, tons of dust, and then the black uh, felt. Uh, jackets they were wearing faded they weren't completely black anymore you know you know when things fade when you leave them out by the window in the sun and the sun fades photographs and and pictures and 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 clothing anything with color in it the sun eventually fades it over the so these these jackets were all faded and not only that once they were out of the wrapper i instantly recognized them and i was like my god so my dad phoned to wish me a happy new year and a merry Christmas a number of days after the event, after Christmas. And he was, you know, he started talking about them. He's like, well, I'm glad I got a gift to you. And he was like going to play it all off. And I just, I, I busted him. I went, wait a minute. I said, aren't those the dolls that I gave you 15 years ago? And right away, he, he kind of clammed up. And I said, aren't they this? And then he start, you hear him start giggling. I'm like, what? Are you laughing? I'm like, why would you send me those dolls? He goes, oh, son, those are the two of the classics of uh, of comedy. You've got to have those. I go, that's exactly why I got them for you, Dad. Right? And he's like, well, I, I sent them back because they're cherished heirlooms for the family. And uh, I said, yeah, that's why I gave them to you, so you could cherish them. What the hell are you doing sending them back to me? And then he just started cracking up laughing. And I just started busting him. I said, man, you're an Indian giver. You're a cheapskate Indian giver. You, 
You sent back the stuff I sent you. What the hell's the matter with you? And then he starts trying to lay in. He's like, no, son, no, no, no. It's the thought that counts. I said, yeah, the thought that counted 16 years ago when I gave them to you. I said, you can't, you couldn't dip into your bank account and buy your only son a nice new gift. And you went to all the trouble to go to FedEx and wrap and, and you, you, you give me something I gave you. Nice try. I'm not letting you get away with it, Indian giver. And now he's chuckling away and, you know, he's laughing, but he's like, it's kind of an embarrassed laugh because he's busted. But it's just ridiculous, man. My old man, you know, I gotta go, go, Dad, you never send me anything in all these years. Finally, you send me something. And it's my own gift 16 years later. And the only real positive thing that came, I said, so you used FedEx. How was that? And he goes, I can't believe it. And I go, what? He goes, well, I went there and then it was at your house the next day. I said, yeah, Dad, that's what FedEx does. That's the service they provide. He's like, well, I, good God, I couldn't believe it. So my dad, you know, he's, he's almost 90, okay? He's like 86. 86, and then the first time in his life he used FedEx at 86, okay? And at 86, he still can't buy his own kid, his only son, a damn brand-new present. He has, to re- he has to be an Indian giver and give back one that I gave him. What a nut job. He's trying to blow, you know, blow it up. Dad, there's dust on it. I said, why didn't you just send me send me a vacuum cleaner with it at least? This there was so much dust. There was like four inches of dust on this thing, and the clothing was all faded. He's like, oh well, that's a testament to all the good times we've had. And what I said, what good times? You'd have good times if you were looking at them and remembering your son who gave them to you. Now, you, now you've shipped off a memory that your kid supplied for you. And he, my dad, he just digs in. He never fesses up. He would never, he would never go. You know what? I'm sorry. That was, that sucked. I really should have. You know what? I should have thought of it and got you something new and something you liked. And my dad just digs in. He's laughing. He's giggling. I think he's almost like inside. I know my dad inside. He's like, he's loving it, man. He's like, he's loving this stuff. Cause it's kind of like a bit of a burn and he's getting away with it, but I didn't let him get away with it. I called him out, man. Unbelievable. Said all the money you've made in your life and you're re-gifting me. Good Lord. So there you go. I, I, oh, I wish I had recorded it. I wish I wish he didn't catch me off guard. It was just so, you'd be laughing. My dad, unbelievable. So there you go. Now I have, and I told him, I said, yeah, guess what you're getting next year, dad? Guess what I'm shipping home, FedEx. Yeah, you got it. Laurel and Hardy's, they're, they're coming home. Laurel and Hardy are coming home next Christmas, daddy. Ha, ha, ha. So if he wants to play that little tennis game, I'm willing to spend the 50 bucks to send those porcelain faded dust covered comedy legends all the way back through FedEx right to my dad's front door. Oh, that might be the most pleasurable 50 bucks I ever spend. I'll show the Indian giver how how an Indian giver works. 
So there you go. Follow up on the old Laurel and Hardy Nancy Drew mystery. Good Lord. Who's she, you mother? Blow up your pants. Blow up your pants. Oh, and I think we got to end the, we'll end the show right there with, with my dad's madness. Oh, we'll do a few announcements here. Uh, so it's the first of the year. And as I mentioned earlier, all the uh, stand-up comedy uh, tour dates, the, the latest round anyways, are on my website, harlandwilliams.com. Um, so check it out. My first stand-up gig of the year will be in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, baby, Raleigh, North Carolina at the Improv. The Improv Comedy Club in Raleigh. Uh, that's January 24 through 27. 24 through 27. It's going to be a great time, so check it out. Rally. Rally, North Carolina. And then coming up uh, later, I want to get a handle on this one. Um, in February, February 16th, um, or sorry, not February 16th. Hold on. Got my dates mixed up here. Where are we? Here we go. February 23rd. Uh, if you're in uh, mid-level California, up near Sacramento, I'm going to be in a town called Chino, which is just north of Sacramento at the El Rey Theater for one night only. Beautiful theater in, in uh, Chico, California. Saturday, February 23rd, the El Rey. El Rey Theater. So get, get your tickets ahead of time. Go online to harlowilliams.com, and you can reserve, you can book. And uh, that way you won't be disappointed if you're not, if they don't let you in. Blow up your pants. Um, but that's it. Uh, check it out. Also, check out our premium membership. Uh, it's only $20 to get the whole Harland Highway collection, and we are rapidly approaching 1,000. I think we're about 25 away from being at 1,000 episodes. Unbelievable. Um, also, uh, our free app on your cell phone, just go into your app store, type in the Harland highway podcast. Boom. There it is free. You'll be able to hear the 50 latest episodes at no charge at all. So there you go. Keeping it free for you, gang. Um, commercial free fee free, all that good stuff. Um, and that's it. That's all we got for today. Um, another year of puppy dog pals. Uh, thank you for everyone who's been watching the puppy dog pals, my cartoon on Disney junior. Keep your eyes peeled this year. There is going to be some more cool stuff coming that I'm working on. Uh, I will keep you abreast of that. And, uh, that's it. Happy new year. Have a great one. 2019. Here we go. Let's make it rock. And until the next show, chicken chow mein, baby. Well, I, I think, you know, maybe uh, it wasn't only the books, uh, your old friend wound it up, Holland.